Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, okay, yeah. The sound of John... Finding things out. Well, no, just reminding myself because I watch stuff like this and I go, "Oh, I know that face," or "I know," um, or "I know that name," and it's like it's like well, it's a bit like it's a good metaphor for this program, isn't it? It's like archaeology, like digging up an unwanted uh, visitor. (laughs) What you call having a poo? Don't put this in the pre-titles. No, 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 I won't. Britain. An ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are the General Witchfinders. Welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, goblins and ghouls, to the fifth episode of the General Witchfinders podcast. I'm James in Bournemouth, on the south coast of England. I'm John Pountney, and I'm in the south of Wales. Still in Wales, South Wales. And I'm Ross in Dorchester in southern England. In today's episode, we're going to cover Nigel Neal's The Stone Tape. on BBC Two as a Christmas ghost story in 1972. It was written by Nigel Neal, best known as the writer of Quatermass, for whose juxtaposition of science and superstition is a frequent theme. Peter Brock, played by Michael Bryant, is the petulant head of a research team for Ryan Electronics. His team is developing a new recording medium that will give the company an edge over its Japanese competitors. 
they move into an old Victorian mansion that's being renovated for their use. On arrival, they learn that the refurbishment of one of the rooms remains incomplete, the builders having refused to work in it because it is supposedly haunted. The room with its stone walls is a remnant of the original building, with foundations dating back to the Saxon era. After the team witnessed the haunting, in particular by Jill Greeley, an emotionally sensitive computer programmer played by Jane Asher, <laughs> Brock hypothesizes that it is not a ghost, but somehow the stone in the room has preserved an image of a girl's death. This stone tape may be the new recording medium they've been seeking. Realising that the phenomenon occurring in the room is far older than the house, Jill theorises that the stone tape can be recorded over and over again, like a magnetic recording tape. Jill realises that the girl's death they are hearing is masking a much older recording, left many thousands of years ago. Returning to the room one last time, Jill senses a besieged by a powerful, malevolent presence oh. from the much-degraded older recording. Critically acclaimed at the time of broadcast, it remains well regarded to this day as one of Nigel Neal's best and most terrifying plays. Since its broadcast, the hypothesis of residual haunting, that ghosts are recordings of past events made by the natural environment, has come to be known as the stone tape theory. Yes, correct. There you are. Well, so no, the I'm, guy... glad, I'm glad it's factually accurate, John. Yeah, <laughs> the guy and the guy, I want to put forward the hypothesis that the guy that owns the company, Mr. Ryan, that you don't right. see. Never see him, yeah. Is, is the same Ryan that runs Ryanair. The <laughs> because you did well, at several points yeah. when they do go into a very strange Irish accent. He himself. Yes. Um, it's implied that he's Irish. That he so is obvious, Irish. It's obvious that it's, missed, it's whoever runs uh, Ryanair. Ryanair. Which I thought that was confusing because they, did they imply that this was like a family homestead of, of he himself? But, he, but it they, wasn't they an know. island. Oh. No, no. In the, in the opening, in, in the opening, in the opening sequence, they kind of suggest that he has chosen it specifically to be the site for his research and development team, which is already straight away the most balmy thing you could ever imagine. Right? Okay. Yes. Cutting edge scientific research. Where should we do it? Should we do it in a bespoke laboratory? In a, in a bespoke lab somewhere? Yeah. No, let's find an old, decrepit Victorian mansion and do it in up. Middle England Which somewhere. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time and money to, to to do up. Yeah. Well, they do mention that though, don't they? That an, a new build could have been done at a fifth of the price or something like that. Yes, I, I'm sure yeah. that's um, shoehorned into the the script. So this program begins with some incredibly, I would say, dated but also atmospheric. Electronic Sound music. Effects. I yes. love the music. I've written great intro, non-music music. With Jane Asher driving, what car is it, John? I'm sure it's you... an Austin Maxi. I've got a theory about this already, based entirely upon the gearbox of the Austin Maxi. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, she basically gets freaked out by parallel parking, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she can't, like, really, like, she gets trapped between two reversing trucks and just goes, <laughs> and then reverses into a sand, in, into like a, a pile of yes. sand. A pile of sand. But go so on, they... John, what's, what's the theory about the gearbox? Well, the Austin Maxi famously had a cable-operated gearbox, which mm-hmm. I, I have suffered in. Uh, I had a Morris 1800, which had the same gearbox. So not the actual gearbox. But you, the gear change was, was remotely operated with cables rather than the more conventional rod-type change on a forward, mm-hmm. on a front-wheel drive car. And it, to get that car into reverse was absolute hell on earth. 
<laughs> and I think this is what, you know, it starts a day off badly. That's what triggered get... Jane Asher. <laughs> yeah. She can't get the bastard Maxi into reverse because these two trucks, well, like, they're coming together, basically, don't they? If, that, if it was a POV shot, it looked mm. like her eyesight was going in and out of focus as I well. Know. But she just couldn't handle that sci-fi <laughs> logo for Ryan Electrox. <laughs> Very badly stuck on two old horse boxes. But I am currently re-watching all the Final Destination movies in order yeah. with my Why? wife. Why? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, I can't think of anything back. worse, but there we go. <laughs> oh, because um, someone told me that there's a bit of a twist. with the, Peter Cushing's in one. With the mythology. <laughs> However, there's a bit in it where someone gets uh, stuck in a, a drive-in with with some trucks sort of backing in, into them. Uh, I was just wondering if that might have been influenced by... Uh, maybe. By maybe. Uh, the stone tape. It's a very daft and not very... It, it's, an, it, it's an ignominious start to what I think is a very, very good drama. There doesn't seem to be any sense of peril, and you do wonder why she's having such a... A tears about nothing, basically. Well, it's because um, yeah. it says here she is emotionally sensitive. Yes, an emotionally sensitive computer programmer. She, she is a woman, a female. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. So she gets out of the car after yeah. crashing into some sand. Because she, can, she can't get the, whatever, that maxi into reverse. Yeah, well, she gets it into reverse and then just goes backwards right up some sand. Why they've got, why they need sand delivered and. to it. A technology uh, park, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're going to sit in sand like Brian Wilson and um, <laughs> re-record some of their greatest hits. <laughs> that's what the washing machine guy, that's, that's his technique. More on him later. Oh, he's amazing. He's my uh, style icon. Oh, yeah, John, there is a... D- different coloured hands. I've often got different coloured hands because I've been painted. And his oh. mad hair and beard. I did recognise yeah. him from about I'm sure he's. Like, I'm sure he's a boss things. in like Terry and, Terry and June yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sir. But before we, get on to, before we get on to him, we yes. are then introduced to, um, along with Jane Asher, the protagonist of the piece, who yeah. it, t- it takes you ages for them to tell you what his actual name is. It is Peter, isn't it? And I've just written down, Cad. <laughs> he's a cad. <laughs> Right, and what I felt was he came across as a character that could have been played by either either of the guys from Inside Number Nine. Yeah, I thought it, it, it's Reshear Smith totally. in, a, in a wig. It's definitely. Totally. Hang on, but Steve Pemberton could have done it as well, and he but, he kind of spends the entire film. And this most remarkable thing about it, Reshear Smith. The benefit of Pemberton. the tape. I'm stone pointing tape. to Reese Shearsmith. <laughs> yeah, doing like one of his voices like this. That's right. Yes. He spends his entire time in this state. He's kind of constantly in a state of emotional crisis. <laughs> Don't you know what we're doing here? Even when he's happy. He's, he's yeah. him happy. God, 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 just get on with it. But he seems Science. to be incredibly attractive to women. As, as we were For so, yes. For someone Incredible. who is about two feet tall. Tall. Um, <laughs> he's shorter than everyone else in the entire cast. He makes up with volume. Like yourself, so, John. <laughs> yes. So I, this opening kind of sequence, I've, I've written down perception of danger gearbox and ambitious setup it's a really weird opening i know that it's coming across in these um podcasts now that i'm very interested in the way that these kind of sequences are set up this is an outside broadcast video but it appears to be vision mixed on location and there seems to be multiple cameras set up 
So there's a big wide shot of all this action happening outside this big uh, mansion. There's obviously a close-up on Jane Asher who can't drive. There's there's different things happening with um, different people coming in and out. So it's it, it's really quite ambitious. If they were filming this as live, they wouldn't have cut around this. Yeah, I think this was all done as live. So I looked up, uh, the director, Peter Sasdy, was a proper... A proper director, darling. Mm. So he did Taste the Blood of Dracula. He did another, I think he did Hands of the Ripper as well, which is another Hammer film. And he, so he obviously knew what he was doing. And I think this, it's easy now to laugh at this start because it's an Austin Maxi and it's a woman who can't drive. And it's, you know, it's it's two silly trucks that just look like antiques now. But it's yeah. actually a really ambitious way of, of introducing these characters because you kind of dropped straight into what at first is really confusing, kind of. You've it got is. Ian Cuthbertson come in, who's very tall. I looked up his age at this point. He was 42 oh, God. when this was oh, shot. No. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. he's basically our age. He looks younger. About 60. Oh. younger than us. Younger than us. Yeah, well, I'm, 40, oh. I'm still just 42. Um, I don't know how old um, Michael thingy was. Uh, Brian. Michael Bryant, I don't know how old he was. I think he was a little bit older. Jane Asher obviously was younger, but uh, particularly Ian Cuthbertson looks ancient in this. But I think it's a really interesting way to drop us into the action. And then for me, what's interesting is that there's about 10 different classic cars that just come on, (laughs) uh, like Miss World contestants. So there's a a Humber Estate, there's a a Pagoda Merc, I think there's a Hillman Avenger or something as well. Um, So it's a nice, it it works as a bit of social history now as well as just an intro. It's like getting into a warm bar for you, John, isn't it? Straight away, you start with some radiophonic workshop, you recognise the characters like they're old friends, there's a load of old cars... And then you go straight into a nice studio set, which I think. Was oh, in... but before that, well, though. Before we. Before, before we that. Know that. Before that. To be honest, my notes are very sparse right. for this because I enjoyed watching it so much. I've just written like names. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, before that, the, 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 then the rest of the uh, the crazy gang turn up. But yeah, for me, I... which is one of the most, this bit was one of the most disturbing parts of it, where they pull out the the guy dresses the Martian. Oh yeah. Out of the back of the car. I totally forgotten that part. What? What? Why is well, that? <laughs> right. What I've know- what I've written on my on my notes is oi oi dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it seems to me that as we all know, if you say, okay, what what groups are, are best known for their incessant laddish banter? I'd say <laughs> a load of blokes on an 1830 holiday Football in Magaluf. And yeah, and a load of rugby players. In third place, research scientists. They're absolutely never mind, you know, like kind of thinking, academic veneer of research science they all just turn up and they're all just often i'm seeing things on these things i want to dress up as i want to to dress up as the ryan electrics martian and i want to be transported (laughs) somewhere in the back of a car and then sort of dragged out yeah is it um is it is it the mascot for a very bad football team no, it, it's like quite Cyril disturbing. If you if you watch that out of um, context, the, the bit where they make him, <laughs> they drag him to his knees in front of Michael <laughs> Bryan. It looks like some really disgusting sex act is about to be taking place in that car park. James, do Aston Villa have yes. a mascot? Yes, they do. They're a lion. He's a, he's a oh, lion because of the badge. And what's his badge name? Now. Oh, I'll have to check for you, mate. Ah, oh, James, come on. James was a mascot no, no, for Aston Villa. That's, once. I was the actual mascot, not as as in the. Mascot man in a suit. 
I'm yeah. doing, I'm doing the impression. No, the child a in little, the kit. As a, as a little kid, he walked on yeah. with, like, yeah. whoever yeah, it nice was. Who, who walked yeah, you on? Steve Sims, captain at the time. Steve Sims, I don't Sims. know. Right, so, it's very, so it was when it was one of our forays down into what is now the championship. And yeah. it was, like, Division 2 at the time. And we were coming yeah. back when... And that's when Graham Taylor was manager. Yes! Do I and, not like Orange? Well, yeah, but that, you know that's how he got the England job because he was so good with us. He got us back up at the, uh, the yeah. you know storming season, and then he got us to run us up the following year. But anyway, well, cut all that out. What a lovely man! Rest, he was. He was a lovely guy. Rest, no, keep him in. <laughs> rest in peace. Rest in peace, Graham. We then get the kind of the explanation, which for me was just like this is so mad. And you know, for, <laughs> we'll we'll get on to like how you know the, the great idea of the stone tape and how that's kind of permeated into culture now but you yeah. have to stop and go now wait a minute now is once again as <laughs> mentioned at, at the top of this podcast it's a research lab in an old victorian home yes but, and then he says right guys you know you know what you're gonna be working on you know what you're gonna be working on? you know in, in his state of permanent frenzy and anger they all kind of go the inflatable sex dolls at this point are a bit off-putting aren't they pretty much but he says you know what you know what we're after lads we want wagner's ring cycle on a ball bearing (laughs) 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 which which i've written down and i put ah the sweet naive 70s let's battle that pause lift Soon to operate, I hope. My office is up there. And very palatial. Of course, Ooh. a wabby boss. Yeah. Reception desk with Sergeant Patterson. Ooh. Sergeant, get to know these faces. Hmm? I know some already, sir. <laughs> <laughs> From here on, we're secret. So no chums in, no parties in the canteen. Which, by the way, is through there and extremely decent. And working. Lose that way, also working. Right, follow me. Follow me. This is lab one. Soon there'll be two others like it to spread into. And if that's not enough, there are 500 acres outside. Who else is coming here? Nobody. Just us. But it's enormous. We'll get bigger. I'll expand the team with people I choose, hand-picked, the best. Same as you're the best. Aye, flattery, Pete. Gets him a lot of places. Yeah. This lot. Absolutely fantastic. What about the others? The washing machine crowd. Here. Forget it. What, that lot here? No! Can't you get it through your heads? You're special. Incredible as that may seem, you are. (laughs) I'll spell it out for you. This place is ours. It is all for us. Because we are on the big one. Do you want a pep talk? Is that what you want? About the Japs. He's a bit simple. He's brilliant, but simple. Cliff, it is always (laughs) about the Japs. In ten years' time, they're going to have us by... Whatever part of our anatomy they pick, there will be no electronics industry anywhere in the world but theirs, unless. I think we've got a good chance. We've only got one chance. We've got to play a card so high they can't top it. Ah, so! A completely new recording medium. Have here in honourable pocket. Oh, shut up, Stuart. Oh, what about tape? Tape's finished. Well, it's still in No, its day is done. Magnetic tape is compact, responsive. All the sales shut up says it is. Also, delicate. I'm prone to lose its memory. Like Clifford here. <laughs> As you so rightly say. Now, it's time, gentlemen, for a breakthrough. Just record me, say, the whole of Wagner's ring cycle inside a ball bearing, with instant playback, of course. <laughs> can you give it to lunchtime? <laughs> and you can name your own royalties. Oh, it is royalties, then. Yep. Forget about bonuses. You'll be right in there. Got his word on it. Himself? Yesterday. 
Just put the boots in old Nippon, is how he delicately phrased it. So if you want to be millionaires, it's a crash program. Find the medium, everything else follows. Hardware? We'll take the lot. Computers, TV, home recordings, satellites, they all follow. Then Ryan Electrics becomes Ryan International, becomes Ryan Interspatial. Up to you. Hats off to Nigel Neal for saying, look, they were trying to make music smaller, looking for mm. a new kind of digital way, but they didn't even have the vocabulary to say digitized no. music at that point. But still, that's what they're supposed to be working on. But yeah. then what their lab set up is just so, like, there's no Massive sound equipment. And stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our college. Yeah. <laughs> the lab setup is basically unit from Doctor Who. Exactly. It? It's like, <laughs> when you watch the John Pertwee, yeah, when you watch the John Pertwee, uh, uh, not his first season, his second season onwards, you think, you just watch and you think, why are unit, the unite, United Nations Intelligence Task Force, seemingly based in a Victorian school? <laughs> <laughs> it just... It doesn't make any sense at all. Why does the doctor's lab look like a dungeon? And why do, it's like it's just nonsensical. And this, it's it's obvious what he's trying to do because yes. that is the 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 premise of the whole thing. Is that that's why they're there? Isn't Apparently, it? You know? this was based on when Nigel Neal was brought to the BBC to work on um, scripts for them. Yeah. He went to an old Victorian house where all the BBC sort of like yes. um, boffins. This is what I read. Yeah, were, were sort of based, and he liked he liked. They were this. all the same clowns as in this, exactly. So. Yeah, it was that type of <laughs> men cocking around atmosphere. Yes. He wanted to put across. Wow. But also, I was just thinking when James was talking about him trying to set up the the exposition. I think he probably thought this exposition is quite boring. What can I? Mm. So I'm going to make it so one of them's dressed up as an alien. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and it's just non-stop jocularity going on in the background. The only thing I can... (laughs) The only thing I can think with The Martian is that it's some kind of in-joke within the world. electronics team. No, no, no. Within the super universe of uh, Nigel Nigel Neal himself. What do Ah. we call the Marvel expanded... Is it Marvel expanded universe, please? No, it's the Marvel cinematic universe. universe, Oh, so within the Nigel Neal cinematic universe, maybe it's an in-joke to uh, the Martians in all of uh, his yeah, previous... Yeah, they were like ants, though, weren't they? They were. I mean, and I don't think... Nigel Neal doesn't ever seem to come across as very much of a in-joke kind of guy. So no. I just... I do question that part and just think there's no mention of aliens at all. There's no mention of... But maybe of it was just those wrong foot and people. Martians or... Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like a MacGuffin to put you off right at the start. But then... But then I did totally forget it within 10 minutes until you reminded it me just it happened. Such strange visuals for me. Anyway, and yeah. I, but yes. we have covered this that very, 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 very small part of the thing for 20 minutes now on the podcast. Yeah. So let's, let's move on. <laughs> so having, having established that that's what they're there doing, we then learned yeah. very, very quickly that there is, as we said in the outset, a spooky kind of hidden room that no one likes to work in. Amazingly enough, this had even... And you're told that the building had been requisitioned during World War II by the American army fine yeah. but then it says yeah. u.s army storeroom <laughs> on the door so like, sure. yeah me too i thought surely you don't need to put u.s army on there if you're you the u.s army you to, on me you don't surely put you US know you're army in the u.s army, army. <laughs> where, where where's our storeroom gone again <laughs> oh it's the one that says u.s army on the door oh yeah i thought i was going to go into the british army storeroom and i i didn't want to do that amazing 
when they yeah. go in there, once once again, it's very cross. Michael Bryan, he, he, is very and once cross. again, Peter, Peter, what's going on? Why, why isn't this thing built? Ah, <laughs> frenzy, right? And then it's I the put computer down storage, isn't it? Yes, yes. And then I then put, which is crazy. You have to have a massive room for your computer tech. More on that. There's a great line later on in regards to that. Uh, I put that it it goes a bit grand designs at this point (laughs) because he basically just starts smashing up old walls, doesn't he? Come on, get on with it. And starts like smashing up up walls, uh, thus revealing a staircase which seemingly goes to nowhere. I thought and that that's, piece yeah. was absolutely bizarre. It was um, mental. Once again, I was like, this is to, so mad. You, you're introduced to beautiful doll-like Jane Asher in a lovely mm. suit, comes in. She looks absolutely amazing. I can't tell if she's got a wig on or not. Her hair looks very kind of bouffant and, and, and um, quaff. I'll add that to the, to the wig spreadsheet for all our episodes. <laughs> well... I, Michael Bryant, he is the king toupe wearer in this. Um, <laughs> like his toupe is absurd in this, and you see it in very in many different states of dishevelment. Um, but I just thought this bit where they go into this room—it's quite a cool set. Again, Peter Sasley kind of excels himself here. Nice high some, window. Yeah, yeah, there's some really nice kind of crane shots looking down. The, and, for, the... and, and for someone who's had to put fake cobwebs on lots of different places, there was a very good <laughs> fake cobweb hanging off of a, a light, light bulb. bulb. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this good kind of, um, it's a bit like the light bulb in Psycho, actually, when you see, when you finally go into the basement and you see the, the mother in the basement, there's, there's this, she's partially obscured by this light bulb in the one shot. And it reminded me of that. But anyway... We've got Michael Bryant going in and then just kicking the shit out of a wall yeah, yeah. for no reason. So he's Get in his, he's in like this absurd like seventies like safari suit kind of getter, <laughs> um, uh, with like a suede jacket on. And he looks like he's come in from Kings Road and then he just kicks the shit out of the wall for no reason. <laughs> we just uh, fed up with these um these country builders. Yeah, country bumpkins can't come in and like what are they meant to do to this room anyway? It looks like kick, a kick bloody um It looks like a uh, like a some part of an abbey or something. It's obviously much older than the rest of the house yes. is meant to be. I've written main guy is annoying and shouty. Um yes. and then how I think that's what that's the review of our, our podcast, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> So how long do do we have then before... Um, I think the, the, they hear the, the ghost, ghost that comes point. in. It's straight, it's straight away, isn't they it? They do. Yeah. And, and so Jane Asher oh, you know, do the, the, the running. Yeah. Ah! That's quite good. Oh, Ross. That's yeah, quite good. that was quite good. Yeah. But like a big crow. If we move fast, get everything concreted over, get the machines moved in. Where are the men now? Working on the back. Come on. Don't worry, love. You'll get your storage room. Oh, hey! I can't stay here. Take me away, Peter. 
chill, 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 chill. Easy, easy. So that bit is actually quite scary. I listen to it uh, with headphones on, and the oh. scream when it comes into your headphones is really horrible. Hmm. Um, but then I did find it annoying that straight away we go straight into Jane Asher just being like a hysterical woman. Yeah. And I was expecting someone to just like, slap, just her. slap yeah. her in the face. Put yourself together, woman. Do you know what I'm here to do? <laughs> Quick, building the future. Or, yeah. You know. We've got to fight the Japs. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And so much stuff now. So, so much culturally insensitive comments about Japanese people. Inane yeah. stupidity, yeah. isn't oh, it, really? Oh, God. It's dreadful. But then, yeah, following that, when, while she's kind of, oh, you know, I've had a funny turn. I've seen a ghost. I've just put oh, overwhelming amounts of beige in the next scene. <laughs> yeah, There's a so lot much of beige. beige. It, it, what, a lot of beige. Costumes. Yeah. The room itself. It's just, just oh, Her the 70s were just beige. And then yeah. at one point, he's kind of done out a pad for himself in Ooh. the, oh, I in love the that. place, hasn't I, he? Yeah, I, I think that inspired me to have this weird dream about um, oh, <laughs> turning a, a bowling alley into like a, into like a 70s <laughs> flat. I just thought it was just so opulent, his, his sort of flat stroke office. But it seemed totally divorced from the building that, that he was in. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, I've done all this up. I'm, I, I've put some shelves in. And it's like, that's all you've done. You've put some shelves up. Yeah, but, Do you like the shelves? But imagine, you know, this, this guy, again, like James was saying, yeah. they are someone who's there to develop a new recording format. Mm. Yeah. He said, part of this, I want to have this massive penthouse um, flat <laughs> built for myself. <laughs> with art Even in though, it. did they suggest that the, other, the, the, the rest of the research team was staying there? Yes, uh, well, I don't okay. know. I might be getting confused because I've also listened to the recent audio oh. one, and they all—they've got like bunks and stuff in there as well. Well, oh. Ian Cuthbertson just seems to live in a porter cabin outside. Well, like a, no, yeah. like something out of Tanko. <laughs> lots of sweaty women hanging around. Exactly, lots of the um, the sets on this, particularly that. I feel like this is way going way overboard for something which is not probably going to be a permanent fixture and also it looks like it's been established for quite a long time like yeah, his yeah, little yeah, shed yeah. where yeah. he's like yes. the site of like you wouldn't have a full-time role no. on this pl- place and also they got this soldier security guard security guard well he's my favorite part of it because he's excellent and he also plays sam seeley who is the poacher in spearhead from space which is john pertwee's first story the only doctor film we filmed entirely on 16 mil. Yeah, you've got to say that every time you say Spearhead from Space. <laughs> Spearhead from Space Bingo. Moving on from that, Jane Asher is trying to recover, and we, we then cut to the pair of them having a 70s pub lunch. Love it. Which was a magnificent scene. Number one, My just the representation of a, se- of a 70s pub. £1.80 for two pints and, and two ploughmans. Cheers. I believe it's been made very nice. Do you know it? Well... I used to, sort of. You went there? Not actually in. It was during the war when the Yanks were there. I was a good time girl. Hooray <laughs> <laughs> for you. Yes. Well, why not? <laughs> they was nice boys. And the nylons. Did they talk about it? About the house? Mm. It was all generals and people. Some in quarters. I said, now I was there once. Well, I mean, what it was like inside? <laughs> no. No. Very posh, I expect. Oh, there was one boy. Oh, he was a proper caution, he was. He said, 
Well, let me think. Oh, dear. He had all them funny words, you see. He was a coloured boy. Oh. Oh, I know! Guppy. He said there were guppies in the store where he worked. <laughs> guppies are fish. Tropical. <laughs> oh, dear. Duppies? He must have meant rats. You don't know, Alan? Tuscaloosa's full of rats. He used to play up there when I was a kid. Oh, yes. You and that jacket. Yes, old Jackie. They've got four people working behind the bar <laughs> in, in, in a pub that you can literally get six people in. <laughs> yeah, but a set which I, you see for about three minutes, a lot of work put into that. Yeah, this is what I thought, is that this whole production looks... Uh, it's ridiculous to say it now because it doesn't compared to something like The Crown or whatever. But it looks really lavish because... There's scenes in it where the sets are in it for one scene. Yeah, like the, yeah. the like the vicar's um, house. Yes, yeah, yeah. the manse. There's loads yeah. of work put on that for for no reason. These days, it would be just you'd think that they'd be like, "Oh, can we just do this scene like yeah, the even corridor. outside, yeah. even outside?" Or just yeah, someone visits and they mention it in a corridor or something. But they have a whole scene in a pub. The pub looks amazing. I want to go to that pub now and and spend time with those yokels. Because we're in lockdown, I've been really, really <laughs> craving going to a pub today. <laughs> what would you um, have to eat and drink if you went to a pub, Cleves? Plowman's on a cider. Ooh. Ooh. Not like... Cheesy chips. <laughs> so, they're in the pub. The woman behind the bar has got a very frilly pink top on, hasn't she? And then mm. she buggers off. And then another woman comes over and is like, Oh, I was a good time girl in the... In yes. The- with the US in the war. Army in the war. And it's like, hang on, you look like you're about 10 in the war. She only looks about 45. I've been trying to think of a better way to put this, but I don't think there is a more delicate way to put it, quite frankly. But what I've just put is, is barmaid outs herself as a slag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. I mean, it's like, a less genteel way of putting it, but yeah. Well, all the local yeah. people are, are, are shown as being mentally deficient in some way. Well, they, yeah, in, yeah. But that's that was, you know, bearing in mind, you know, one of the things that we're kind of interested in is like folk horror and that whole thing. But that was for me one of the scenes where it kind of touched on folk horror. That whole thing of going to a pub, yeah, out of the way, and things aren't quite right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that, and that the, there's um... a legend. There is a local legend involved with this place. Yeah, everyone knows about that house. Some there's slow lad comes that's... out and he's looking a bit shifty about. And like... more, oh yeah, more on him later. Well, it's yeah. like. Yeah. Um... It's like any Dracula or kind of Frankenstein trope, isn't it? Where you, you, the traveller goes to the tavern and says, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm local to town, the area. Yeah. yeah, I'm coming to research the castle. Oh, you don't want to go up to the castle, <gasps> sir? Oh, exactly. It's that kind yeah. of thing. I've written that the locals are a bit flaming torches because they're they just, are. they're the kind of locals that um, you also- know, just go and burn, burn something. But apparently, <laughs> and, and, when she she when she mentioned that she used to go with one of the black soldiers, she was trying to remember a word he said it was like guppy or something. Oh yeah, like guppy. That. And they What's they that? never come back. To no, it. but I've looked I've, up, I've looked I've looked it up, and apparently that it's it's a word. It sounds like another word, which um I think that in sort of like black culture meant like evil spirit or something uh, like that. So, okay, oh, okay. But they but then they just leave that. He leaves that hanging. And yes. also, I'll just put, you know, because it's 1973, she describes him as a coloured man. Coloured, yeah. And I've just written cancelled. 
Yeah, she, 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 she'd be cancelled now for it's that. It's the problematic, That's not uh, the very problematic, problematic neon light. Um, yeah. The locals remind me and a lot of the locals in Quatermass 2, the film version where there is an actual uh, Quatermass, I think it's Quatermass, leads, leads the villagers from the new town, in inverted commas, to the chemical works where the aliens are being grown in the big fats. Okay, I haven't and seen any of this. It sounds great. Oh, it's brilliant. We should review Quatermass too. But um, but it's it's obvious that that's what he's trying to do, is, is that he's trying to echo what happened. One of the James Whale Frankensteins, either Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein, where the windmill is burnt down. The, it's the a second creature, one, I think. Yeah, where the creature is inside. Which... It's imaginative and different. Obviously, now it's it's really commonplace, but I think at that point, it's like the slaughtered lamb, isn't it? Out of yeah, 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 it's yeah, and which is probably what that was about ten years after this, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's like, mm. so at that point, that is probably quite a new idea to put a twist on something. Yeah, a film yeah. that at that point was only forty years old. So Frankenstein wow. then was a, was as old as American Werewolf in London is to us now. <laughs> I mentioned that we was doing Stone Tape on our Twitter, which is... Yes, uh, Gem- shout out to Twitter. Which is, what's our Twitter handle? General Witch One on Twitter. General Witch One, yeah. Numeral One. And this has been one of the, the biggest responses we had wow. off, of, off of all yeah. the people. It's got a so lot far, of... So, so far, so far. People love this. One of the guys on there uh, gave us a link to a blog article he wrote about this, and yeah. I haven't got it to hand at the moment, but I will put it in, in the show notes. In the show notes. But he's, he's, he mentions that this was the first time, for him yeah. at least, that a uh, a ghost story was put out, which wasn't set in like olden times. In an a old period set. Oh, yeah. yeah, a contemporary set. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, said yeah. that was what really made this stand out. And I think, wow. yeah. right, even though we got some of these tropes about going to the tavern, it's like a modern one with rock music in the background lunches and all that kind of stuff and I that's think, a very good point and i think mm. it's something which it's hard for us to be in that point of point of view because yeah, these the christmas ghost stories would have been like an mr james ghost story or something from, yeah, from yeah, the past yeah. and this is yeah this is like mm. bang up to date you know this is electronics yeah. and all that kind of stuff and yeah. it, it, it 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 was a big thing well i read on wikipedia of course that this was meant as a part of the uh, strand uh, Dead of Night, which I've only just bought Ooh. the DVD of. I think there's only three episodes remaining. One of them is particularly brilliant, and it's something we should potentially review, so I won't give too much away about it. But those are all modern settings, okay. and one of them, like I say, is really, really good. And uh, But I didn't know that this was meant as part of that strand. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Having been told that there's obviously something strange about the house and rats. All, all the there's rest of it. rats in the walls. Uh, possibly. That, yeah. um, there's something strange and it don't look good. They <laughs> go and decide to go and talk to the local vicar, mm. who is the most traditional English country vicar. Uh, you know, absolutely on the money. Derek Nimmo. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's cut from the same cloth. <laughs> but when he, I've, I've written down that, that he then kind of gives and says, oh, yes, you know, gives them more information about the house. But he then also says exorcism in the weirdest way. Exorcism. He says exorcism, <laughs> which I wrote down. I was like, yeah, all right, mate. Okay, fine. And he says, yes, you know, there was an exorcism that, that kind of t- took place at the house. So extra kind of drama. We then cut back to Peter's kind of swank pad. Shag pad. With shag pad within the house. And he's on the phone to his wife, his long-suffering wife, who, again, like Mr. Ryan, you never see. But the best bit is, is that we find out he's talking about their daughter and that their horse is called Chuffy. <laughs> and I yeah. just thought that was the best thing ever. Oh, how's Chuffy? <laughs> how's Chuffy? Is this when he says... What did the vet say? And then he, you don't hear what the vet says. And then he just goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> He laughs for about 20 minutes. You know that he, he said he's going to be put down. Down, glue factory. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that when Jane Asher sort of sneaks away out of the room? Yes. At that point? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you, you never see them have a relationship, but it is yes. implied. It's heavily implied. implied. He kisses her a couple of times. Well, yes. There's in the audio version, uh, we, mm. so there is a recent up-to-date Better version, uh, audio version. No, it's not. I wouldn't say it's better, okay. better okay. but it's it's different. The BBC put it out, and they were experimenting with three D sound, and it's, it does work quite well if you listen to it with headphones and stuff. And yeah. some of the sound effects are really good on that. But in that story, uh, she has recently either had a miscarriage or an abortion from a baby Ooh. with mm. with that chap, uh, and and oh. and, it, and for that, the caddish behaviour. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah mm. exactly. And um, it's more kind of like the guilt of that 
as well was playing a lot on her and that sort of there's a struggle between in the relationship between the two of them over that and he's saying uh, okay. you know i want you to put that behind you because i need you for this project and it's, a, it's a, they are looking to do mining with sonic beams rather than do a recording it's quite nice but it's very good and i recommend oh. it but anyway so after after jane asher then kind of encounters the ghost again they then decide, I, even I need reminding here, either they then all hear it. Uh, uh, different all people. Some, they, some people different see. People and then see, that, that's the good thing, isn't it? All, yeah. all hear, some see, and one guy has no interaction with it at all. Which is Stuart. A, which is a, a theme that Nigel Neal revisits quite often. Quite a mass in the, the film version, and I'm sure the TV version. The, the people that are somehow descended from the, the apes that are... This is going to sound like bollocks now. <laughs> so there are humans that are genetically engineered by the Martians, and there are those that aren't. And it's all to do with, um, with uh, gene pools and keeping the race pure and stuff like mm. this. And so there's always this thing... He, he seems obsessed with this, this kind of part of the story where there's always some people don't experience what the others are experiencing and it's so it's this kind of othering thing that that, goes that was on. one of my favorite things about it i really loved that he had some guy going well i'm not hearing I, anything i can't I'm not hear anything. anything i think you're all yeah, mad. that's right yeah 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 i thought oh that's good that's good yeah that's a- well it it's to do with and again and this is a similar thing with quite a mass in the pit it's to do with like um crowd hysteria and group hysteria yes isn't it? where where all these people see the same thing and it's absolute bollocks, like the troops mm. that all saw the angels of Mong in yes. the First yeah, World yeah. War. Yeah, yeah, people become convinced that they've seen something or heard something that they didn't necessarily. Mm. Um, Whereas every time um, Jill is, she's seeing more and more. So this time yes. she, she manages, she sees the woman screaming on. She the, sees on her the face, doesn't she? Yeah. She specifically says about seeing her face. But they, there's a really great bit where they go play that take back, and they play the take back. Yeah, and. The none of the the ghostly sounds are on the tape, but you just yeah, hear everyone's cool. reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. That's Again, when I was thinking, this may particular was probably done live. They yeah, they probably recorded that live and play, actually played it back live. Or I yeah, that's yet. a very good point, Cleves. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they will have done. They will. will have, I mean, there might have been an edit, but they will have had to record the the sound of the take. Because otherwise, it would just sound would wrong. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we've got to point out, and it's obvious, but for some people, other everything's done analog here. So we're talking yeah. big reel-to-reel tape machines, yeah, big microphone, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff, which I love. A massive uh, space trumpet. Yeah, <laughs> that is the best bit. That was the. I put for later on. I said this whole thing just reminds me of a prog rock gig. Yeah. There's, there's too many people on stage. There's a lot of very expensive looking or big electrical equipment, and there's someone walking around with like a big comedy oversized trumpet. I, was like, I yeah. did expect Peter Gabriel to come in at one point dressed yes. as a daisy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Those... so having having heard all this, yeah, right. He then goes right. Kind of Peter goes right. Abandon the research project. We're now going to do this. And I yeah. thought, would Mr. Ryan be okay with we this? You know, there's a ghost in ghost. here. Ghost. We're going to do yeah. it. Come on. <laughs> you know, but this is all within the narrative of the thing as well. This is all like within a day of them arriving there, isn't it? Yeah. There's like, there's no feel of time. Well, no, no. I, I felt it's longer really. than that because when you oh, first okay. see him in, in Peter's flat, it's all boxed up. Uh, and when you see it later okay. on, he's moved in. 
Uh, yeah. I had the feeling that time had passed. Yeah, okay. But if nothing else, a week, if nothing else. But his toupee but, hadn't uh, moved at that point. Toupee, yeah. <laughs> but basically, they come somehow. They come to the conclusion that that they reckon that the the room itself has recorded some event, yes. which yes. is being played back. Yeah, uh, and they, if I'm jumping ahead too far here, let me know. But they, you are. But they are are saying that it's the human beings are part of that. That's why they stop recording on the tape. But they yeah. need the human there in order to uh, play back what's coming out of the out of the stones. Um, well, they're like the playhead on a on a tape machine, yeah. aren't they? It's it's they they are the 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 live part of the yeah. So they think interaction. If we can work out how this works. We we could potentially um, have uh, this would be the the new recording medium, and then they start. Yeah. He, there's a bit where they're celebrating. He's running around and like twicking people's ears and saying, <laughs> "Hold on, yeah, because uh, I was going to say I'm that." Like, this, <laughs> and then he twiddle, yes! he tweaks Jane Ash's boobs. And Nipples. Says, porn, porn, porn channel, channel one, one and porn channel two. Porn channel two. Which is, is Again, she... very inappropriate now. Yeah. Uh, but... It's inappropriate then, James. I, think. <laughs> I know, I know. One of two women, and I know one of. No, this is the, the the barmaids the barmaid. as well, but yeah, yeah, two women at the um at the facility. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, one's in bed with him, and the other he's had an affair with. All we found out so far from this podcast is that the seventies was a time of rampant paedophilia and <laughs> and, and just the signing off is of perversion at the highest yes. level. Yeah, and, but, absolutely. So, uh, we'll put this on Christmas Day. QA non need to investigate, you know. <laughs> set in 1970s, not, not, um... not shooting up pizza places. And, and... <laughs> well, yeah, so in, in order to, to kind of bring the ghost about, they then uh, they do so. Well, the, the amazing line, and Ross was talking about the, uh, the thing about the fact that the storeroom was going to be for the computer anyway. He says, Book time on the central computer. <laughs> yeah. Like does it, where is it though? It's like in. We, does he say it's, it's in, in Houston? somewhere else? It's, it's somewhere else in Houston or something like that. But it's their computers—they don't have screens on their computers. Everything's typed into like a typewriter, and then yeah. it comes up on paper. Paper, so, and it's so fucking loud. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I and all that... it says is four far four queen of the south one <laughs> QPR three. Uh, <laughs> it's basically just the football results. Oh, having through. to spell out seven. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I know that the sound was meant to be getting more and more overwhelming. Yes, yeah. so if you're listening to this on headphones next to your sleeping wife, as I was, yeah, it's just like this is so loud. <laughs> this, yeah, it was very loud. But then, yes, yeah, so oh. then they try and bring the ghost back by like having the big space trumpet. And <laughs> they bring in from one of the the, the multitudes of people yeah. that, that work in the pub. They they bring like. The guy who played there is a kid, right? And basically, once again, Peter Fred just bullies West. him. And I've put, was the main, the, the main way of, of extracting information in the 1970s just out and out bullying? Yeah, this was. <laughs> yeah, this is still. It is. Yeah. yeah. I know Sapphire and Steel was early 80s, but still, I thought it's that whole kind of the Sweeney vibe, isn't it? It's just like, you want to get some information out of someone, just, just, just rough them up. Yeah. It's, it's violently antig- antagonistic. Yes. The guy, so the guy is just doing them a favour. No, but, yeah, yeah special, he's going to go. He? He's going up to the castle or whatever the hell it is, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to go and help help out those nice 
nice technology people that have moved into yeah, the yeah. castle. Then a he four foot in, ten man comes up to him. <laughs> and he's shouting <laughs> in his face, do it, do it, tell me. <laughs> uh, James, do the line. Okay, and then I had to write it down because it made me, I, I hate the phrase laugh out loud, but I truly did laugh out loud when I watched it. So yeah. he starts kind of saying, come on, tell us more, tell us more to, to this poor guy. And he's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. And he went, oh, it was just rats. It was just rats. rats. And he walls. went, come on, it wasn't just rats. You're a country lad. You know what rats sound like. <laughs> Come on, you're a country lad. You know what rats <laughs> sound like. Sound like that he was in Lair. I imagine it's all part of. <laughs> oh, there you are. All part of the, the Herbert Nigel Neal joint universe. There <laughs> are themes of rodents, yeah. which we've along with uh, the seventies were full of. But, that, <laughs> but isn't there then a point where some sort happens and he's like gripping his ears and there's lots of yes. running along corridors and they're tripping over yeah. nothing he freaks out he basically yeah yeah he basically goes into a k-hole we'd say yeah. <laughs> you remember this room oh, i was just a kid you did come in here oh, i suppose so you're not sure well i did then how often we, we, we knew we weren't rightly how many men. times i don't know in a year say Ten times? A dozen? You said between 1952 and 1955. Maybe a total of, what, 30 visits? Did you get that, Stu? I got it. And you heard rats? Sometimes. Only sometimes? Nearly every time if we waited. Nearly every time. We we made these dares out of it, see? All, All rats are dirty customers. They'll go for you. We used to fool about all over the house, smash it up a bit. You're a country lad, you know the sound rats make. I reckon we must have bust all the windows. Real bad we were. We used to see who could find a pane of glass, still whole, and smash. Cost you a lot to put it right, did it? Look, look, I I better go now. There'll be trouble if I don't get back. That old cow down there, she... I, I reckon I'll just get along. over he cuts his face cuts his hand and then yeah, James drags his bloody hand all over the and wall. then i've written down get him water get him whiskey anything <laughs> <laughs> whiskey was always a hand in the 70s yeah. wasn't it like, was. he treats the guy like in the maddest way this guy's a total stranger doesn't the vicar turn up at that point he's like no. oh fuck, <laughs> no, oh, fuck off <laughs> I haven't got time for this now. We've just made a great man. That's later. You're getting ahead of yourself. Uh, what I what I wanted to point out at this point is that the guy playing Eddie, 
Yeah. All the way through, I was like, God, I really recognise him. Yeah. He's basically one of the the original lineup of Last of the Summer Wine. All right. Really? And he and he's also one of the policemen in Frenzy, which was made the same year. So Hitchcock's oh, Frenzy, Hitchcock's which is Frenzy. just a very bizarre what a weird year he had. He did a Hitchcock <laughs> he did a Hitchcock film and he did this. But yeah, he's one of the original three with Compo and is it Clegg? Yeah. Is that Peter mm. Salas? Yeah. So he's the one that was in it before Foggy and, and, and Seymour. Seymour. We then get one of the dullest scenes I think I've ever seen, which is, I know, John, you said he was your favourite, but we're then told Ryan Electronics are also working on, like, a super high-tech washing machine. Yeah. Yes. And that they want to use the haunted house yeah. as the development area <laughs> for the washing machine, too. And, and why not? <laughs> and so the man who's behind it all turns up, John yeah. mentioned him briefly before. Corshaw. And he, Corshaw, that's him. And then Corshaw and Peter then share the dullest exchange ever, which oh. serves really no purpose. It's it done in about 30 seconds. It was just a power play between two alpha males. Oh, it's yeah. Awful. It's very odd. And it's to do with the fact that Peter thinks that Mr. Ryanair doesn't really want the mad professor guy, Corshaw, uh, Corshaw sure. to yeah. finish the development of his electronic, fully automatic fully automatic washing machine because he's seen the cost breakdown and uh, it's just not that it's going to be 900 quid per washing machine and it's There's no way we're going to be able to compete with the jobs <laughs> <laughs> but they keep making up this whole thing that he's dyeing his hands different colours but when he's <laughs> pounding his fist on the t- worktop like all, all the dust, dust comes, comes off, off which is just he's putting like powder on his hands <laughs> I would like to see it remade for TV with like modern production values because the the whole thing is brilliant. I want to see it as an amateur dramatic play. <laughs> being, I'll do it. Well, I'm ready. Well, you've just watched that for an hour and a half, please. <laughs> <laughs> it was made in 1972 by the BBC. We'll get on to our, our review, of course, at the end, but I totally agree with John. The concepts and the idea were brilliant, but I thought, oh God, the superficiality and just... The plot the dynamics were awful. So much just shouting. All over the show. Uh, and, the, and unnecessary. <laughs> how flimsy a, a lot of the set is at the end when Jane Asher is climbing up. Oh, I love some... that. But, oh, we're going we're, we're to get to that. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, right, okay. Right. So after, after the doll scene, we then get onto the bit that Ross mentioned before, which I've just put, yeah, ghosts, let's go mental. Yeah. <laughs> because they just figure out that in some way, because that you know you can encode information into stone, Maybe stone will be the the uh, recording device of the future, and they he then just kind of Peter just whips them up into a frenzy you about have a massive it. Party. Yes, come on, this is it. We haven't worked out how to. This do is it. it. The big one. It, the yeah. big one. And he's like, "I'm waiting for the penny to drop here. Come on, you idiots! <laughs> come on, can you see?" And it's like, "Well, no, you can't." And I've put down, "How on earth do you monetize this?" Yeah. And he just says... In oh, the audio version, they're saying, yeah. someone's going to him, you, you can't put your records on a slab. And he goes, what are you going to do? Turn the slab over when you... And he, and <laughs> you can't get all that information onto this one big bit of rock. And he's going, oh, you know, you've got to stop thinking now. You've got to think of the future. You know, some, someone get, showed you a vinyl record and said, we're going to put oh. this on, on that. You wouldn't have believed it. And, and, mm. Oh, but it's, um, man. No, it, it, it still a good feels scene, too though. kind of shoddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to talk about a book in a minute, which is the process of the BBC making things in the, in the 70s okay. and 80s. A lot of this, I can imagine them just like 
rehearsing this in some rehearsal room somewhere and they're going and the whole idea of party scene okay what are we going to do in order to get everyone like wolf whistling and shouting and like and, and like teasing yeah. and all the actors getting really excited about all the all the little bits of business they could do in these little scenes and stuff and there's a bit when he's on the phone trying to talk to himself mr ryanair and like they're all shouting in michael o'leary i've looked up online and that's the guy who owns ryanair i mean if if, if i'm right this could be it the big one a new recording medium. The boot in the guts of old Nippon. You found it. Here's to that big one. It's all yours. Polly, we're winning the head of an idea. It could be the big one. The more I kick it around, the direct injection into the human brain of both sound and vision. No intervening apparatus at all. I read about some research. The Jats, of course. Blind alley. They got nowhere. It's going to be ours, all ours. Television without the TV set, no box, not even a visor in front of the eyes. This is sort of clear. Yeah, costume jewellery, the 13-channel earring. I saw. Oh, wonderful Nippon have red great feet. Go now, go now to cut. I'm going to be belly. Barry, you can't say belly. I can say what I like. When it goes wrong with a cameraman, we'll have to operate on your head. Hey, don't mention that. Not in the sales brochure. Let's keep it positive. Coronation Street, double your money. Come dancing, war and peace. Porn Channel 1, Porn Channel 2. That's all right. Channel 10, Home Doctor. A little laughing. Do it yourself. Urban Gorillas. Hey, It's really bad, but also 70s-tastic and great at the same oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, in, it's immensely enjoyable. Yeah, but shit. Again, like this podcast. <laughs> it's not shit. It's really charming and enjoyable. And, and in a way that television isn't necessarily charming and enjoyable these days, I don't think. Mm. I watch a lot of dramas these days, and they're so fucking dry and boring. And just, they're really well made, but mm. they're just like... They're just boring. But it's interesting what people watch as reality, how yeah. that, and that changes over time. Because I doubt people were looking at it going, this is fake then. Yeah. And when you look at how like theatre was in the past, this is how a story... Suspension of disbelief. And how a story is told. Great, and the conventions of drama changes over time. And it's amazing that we can see that in our lifetime. All you had before that was written, plays that were written down, didn't you? That, like, mm. we're lucky that we've had about... A hundred years, which isn't very long in the history of humanity, film and recorded sound, which is which allows us to review stuff like this and see the conventions of yeah. fiction reality changing. Yeah, yeah, very much. And then we have a scene where the sounds send them all mad. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And he's really pushing them to go beyond what. Uh, Bring them coffee. Bring coffee. Get the massive trumpet out. People grabbing their heads and screaming. Yeah, and screaming. That's that's when that, that's that's when it got very prog rock for me. That was the that was the prog rock sequence. And then we we learned they burnt away the original ghost of the Victorian p- parlor girl. She's gone. But then Jane Asher goes, "Oh no!" But don't you realise that's just the surface level? You know, there's in the same way that there's sedimentary layers of a rock. There's sedimentary layers here. There's older things, and you begin to realise that's what scared the girl in the 1800s to death. And that's what drove the the former owner of the mansion who died of recluse when he was a boy, drove him to despair, was the fact that there is an older, more malevolent Mm. power. Two things happens here. He pushes it so far that he wipes the tape. Bryant manages to wipe off the haunting, which they they all got there. 
Is it Eloise or something like that? Is that her name? I can't remember. But the vicar then talks about a exorcism. And he talks about the exorcism, but he mentions an older exorcism. There was another exorcism in the past. So this is, these events have been happening, repeating over time. Yeah. And that's where they get the idea that maybe there is an an older, an older, more malevolent force. Yeah. At at this point, I I was reminded again of uh, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans. Uh, where it's a touchstone for this show. For it, it is. He o- one day we'll have him on. He often mentions the stone tape theory within mm. Ghost Adventures itself. He often uses a temperature sensor, which is used within this program. And in an episode where they go to Cleaver, you would absolutely love this episode. It's the most insane episode ever, where they go and investigate. I think it's a ranch which is called Stardust Ranch. Yeah. Something like that. I saw you and they, t- t- tweeting someone about this the other day. I was I was tweeting David Llewellyn about it. It's it's an episode where they go and investigate this ranch, and you don't know whether they're investigating ghosts or aliens, and I don't think they know either. No. But there is a sequence where the guy that lives there claims to have beheaded three aliens with a samurai sword. <laughs> um, and the reason why I bring this episode up is that at the end of this episode, they use this subsonic sound stuff to try and bring out the ghosts within this guy's house and the aliens that have been sexually abusing his wife um, <laughs> while, while she levitates. That The effect of the subsonic sound makes Zach Bagans... <laughs> Go a bit weird, and he threatens one of the one of his fellow ghost uh, investigators with the same samurai sword that was used to behead the three greys. It's it's an absolutely towering hour. Oh, I've got to see this. Of, it's not an hour; it's forty minutes. Oh. Um, I will try and find a link, to, and we'll put it on the show notes, and I'll and oh. I'll try and find a link to it, oh. but. This reminded I was thinking Zach Bagans must have watched the Stone Tape, which is a really weird thought or, process. I think it's the case that the Stone Tape has now become part of ubiquitous. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Stone Tape theory is like now quite a well-known theory, isn't it? A, a piece of drama is now people saying, "Oh yeah, well that's that's what ghosts are." It becomes fact. It becomes fact. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a theory, which be- it's just something some chap made up, and now this yeah. is what, this is what what ghosts actually are. So where are we up to in the story? We're, we're building up to the climax now. They've all gone mad. Flashing lights. They're all screaming with their hands over their ears. He, he has to bring up Michael O'Leary from Ryanair and, and say, <laughs> "It's not worked." Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, sorry, I got a bit ahead of myself. I, but I swear I did... we're on it. I did love him in that point where he's sat in his dressing gown and his toupee's all... Uh, <laughs> his toupee cute. looks like Ernie Weiser's toupee. <laughs> That's... It just Can you see the ridiculous. joint? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then the washing machine man comes and takes over their, their lab. Yeah, of course. And it's all gone to shit for everyone. There's a chap who's younger than us, who looks older than us, who, <laughs> who's in the Tenko shed. <laughs> Ian Cuthbertson. Yeah, he has an argument with him. He has an him. argument with him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. to say, yeah. Like, like, I know you fancy her. You can have her now because I'm not interested anymore. Because <laughs> I've got a new bit of stuff. <laughs> he, yeah. t- he tells... I've got a new coffee-making receptionist. <laughs> he sends Jane Ash off on a two-month sabbatical because money's yeah. no object in the... Uh... <laughs> in the 70s. In the 70s. Go to your union, you stupid woman. <laughs> Tell Barbara Castle... You've got seatbelts. What more do you want, you stupid cow? And then I'm thinking of carrying up your convenience now. Carrying up, <laughs> carrying at your convenience. Then he starts sleeping with someone else. 
But then <laughs> something happens, and then she she goes back into to the room, into the room, it's the haunted room. And then but this is my are... favourite part of the whole thing, mm. where there's oh. a, a massive seventies psychedelic ghost experience, experience yeah. with lots of like. Weird oh, first of all, she sees the two things, which was like for me the best the best bit. Even it looks like there's two part, two yeah. red eyes. Yeah. Yes, it oh, looks yes. like there's two red eyes. I thought, oh, that's cool. But then that's they started really moving around. Well done. Mm. But if they would have just kept them as the two red eyes, I yeah, think it would be way more effective. When they started moving, I didn't like it. But when they're yeah, just there yeah. in front of her, I can imagine seeing that myself and really filling my pants yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it just does look to like two eyes, basically. Mm. Yeah. And the, the red lights lead her into the... Or, the or chase her into the horde room. Yeah. Lots of radio radio workshop go absolutely yeah. nuts. But really horrifying sounds as well. Like really yes. deep kind of like... Bleh, bleh. I've got to try and get these sounds into the podcast now. stairs are actually leading somewhere now no longer yeah, are they yes. just leading it into the to nothing to nothing they're leading up onto a roof or something she climbs yeah. it looks like a stonehenge type of yeah monument it's, vibe it's going quite hard in, to tell because it's so low low fidelity low, but, yeah. Um, yeah it is a, a, like a monolith isn't it that she mm. climbs to the top of but there's a point where she grabs the handle on the wall and the wall yeah. moves by about two feet because it's obviously made of paper yeah, but she's, Which... also, she's very upset about it. <laughs> and, and she climbs up, and then she falls off and dies. Falls off and dies. So at this point, I was questioning, like, what she's seeing, is this like a corrupted recording of some kind of horrible, malevolent pre- force prehistoric times? Mm. Yeah, because yeah, because later on at this point, they mentioned 7,000 years ago, don't they, that she has worked That's out. That's right, yeah. I don't know how she's worked it out. But Just by typing it into the typewriter, yeah, <laughs> basically. Four, far, four, Queen of the South, one. <laughs> South, ancient, <laughs> malevolent alien, seven thousand years. Seven. S E V E N. Heart of the Mythnolian. Midlothian. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so is that like a horrible, corrupted? 
memory of a bit like when um when in star trek the motion picture the uh, transporter <laughs> beams get mixed together do you remember Ooh, that yeah, part? Yeah, yeah. that's the most that's horrifying horrific. part yes, of the is. whole film yeah we we got something back here captain thankfully it didn't live long because <laughs> it's it's the it's yeah it's just blob, oh, the screaming noise so it's, like it's almost as bad as the, the uniforms of that film. <laughs> yeah, and the makeup on Spock as well. So is it some kind of weird, corrupted, like they've lost the lost the transmission? I'm also listening to the audio version of the Children of the Stones at the moment. So at this point, uh, I'm getting really confused with that. So okay. um, you guys are going to have to carry on with the plot because I, okay. I completely... What I felt having watched it was, I thought it's very interesting. I, I, one of my favourite authors is a guy called Ian Sinclair. Nothing to do with horror or anything like that. And he's often associated with what they call like psychogeography, that mm. notion that if you go and walk around a place, especially somewhere that's rich in history, that history is in some way implanted still in the, mm. you know, in the modern era. You can still get a feeling and uh, an area develops a kind of feeling to it. And I thought in many ways, that's kind of like the, the more legitimized version of what Nigel Neal was getting at here. And as we've said throughout this, for me, that was the, as I watched it, I thought, Oh, this has clearly gone on and had such a kind of a cultural impact. Mm. So I really enjoyed the cultural impact. I just wish it had been wrapped up inside a more dynamic plot. Or when she then goes into the whole, well, actually, you know, this is something here from 7,000 years ago. It's mm. like, oh, well, actually, that's, that, oh, now I'm interested. And mm-hmm. that's only kind of really given lip service. You know, that's never really, I know you can say yeah. that's the point. It's only supposed to be an hour. But for me, I, I wanted more of that. I wanted more druids. Just the feel of that last bit made up mm. for... Oh, it's, it's, it's well worth it. it. It's all, all of it is very good. For me, for my little potted review, I think it's a very... Not modern, because it isn't modern now, but mm. I, reading the Wikipedia about it, I saw that Nigel Neal was a big fan of M.R. James, and I think that this is a very big attempt by Nigel Neal to redo something like yeah. Oh, Whistle and I'll Come to You, which mm. is... Yeah. A man who unearths a whistle mm-hmm. and he blows the whistle. It's it's an antique whistle and that unleashes some kind of unseen malevolent force. Sheet. And it's that act mm. of, yeah, a bed, a basically a malevolent bedsheet. <laughs> but it, I think it's the, the, the subtext is it, the dangers of messing with the past, digging up the past, which obviously we talked yes. about with um, Sapphire and Steel as well. But it's like, you know, don't mess... Don't necessarily mess with things that you don't necessarily know what you're kind of mm-hmm. dealing with. And also, I think it's it's in that way as well. It's about a clash between scepticism and mysticism. So it's like hmm. Jay Nasher is the one all along that believes in the ghosts and believes what's, what's happening is an occurrence. Whereas the men who are just retards, basically. Can I say retards these days? Probably not, can I? The men who are just basically idiots. Mentally challenged, yeah. <laughs> the men are mentally challenged all the way through. Sim- several points, she goes to each man and tries to convince them of the truth of what's happening. And they're just like, oh, you stupid woman. You, you're, it, 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 they're not Rene from a little <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, you stupid woman. Like, you're, you're, no, you they're, know, they're trying just... to rationalise it. And by yes. rationalising it, they're actually ignoring the power the and, and the of danger of it. Yeah. yeah, which is what, what happens in Whistle and I'll Come to You, really, is that the main guy whose name I've totally forgotten. Badger of Wind of the Willows. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the story now. Professor Parkin can't really believe 
the story sets out origi- at the start that, that he doesn't believe in ghosts. And then the act of blowing the whistle actually brings a ghost to visit him. And the end, particularly of the of the BBC film version, is where he's you just see him at the end going, Suck oh, no. oh, no, no, no. And he, and he sucks his thumb because he can't believe it, his, all of his belief structure has been thrown up in the air, which is kind of what's, what happens at the end of this, because at the end, uh, stupid Peter who didn't believe Jane Asher all along, goes into the room and then hears the recording of her death, yep. uh, yes. which is quite horrifying in itself. Yep. And then and then the, the last shot is just him screaming, going, ah! <laughs> which is pretty much and what he does the, the whole thing anyway. <laughs> so I really, it ties itself up very neatly. It's really good. I mean, it, yeah, like James has said, the, the production values now, which, let's face it, are nearly 50 years old, do let it down slightly. But I think the overwhelming power of the, the ideas, as always with Nigel Neal stuff, are so strong that you can't really deny how, how clever it is. Because this guy, this guy was having these ideas first. And that's what's amazing. When you think of someone like... It's an hard to have that. Uh, to, yeah. to take that into account 50 years after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that someone came up with this idea, which is now... Yeah. Basically, it's mentioned in Ghost Adventures in America. Literally everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so, John, what would you give it out of five? Uh, ten. Ten out of five. You ten can't, out of five. You can't keep subverting <laughs> the um the scoring structure of this. Ah, uh, well, I would give it five. Okay. He's five. a maverick. <laughs> yeah. James, how about you? What do you think, do you think of the Stone Cape? It, 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 was, it was a three for me. A three? Oh, is that your strong, strongest so far, James? No, I think it, yes, I, I, the things we've watched. It's yes. Suffer and Steel good. 3 as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's good. Okay. May, did you like it more than Suffer and Steel, though, James? Mm, similar. That's oh, I, really? I, I, I can't, mm. yeah, yeah, but it... Both of them. But, but both of them introduced really interesting ideas. Yeah. Both of which were let down by the conventions of the time. Yeah. And the plot, so it's that I can't say I loved yeah. everything about it. It was, it was, it was amazing. I loved every second of it, but I did think I oh, have some really interesting ideas here. So, I think therefore, Ross and I are maybe less susceptible to screaming, screaming sexist 70s men. I don't know what that says yeah. about us. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it a four. This is, this is, my, oh. fa- this is my favorite thing we've watched Ooh. so far. Okay, oh, cool. yes. Like I said, yeah, I can see all of the the dated aspects of of it. However, yeah. it's, it's the best version of that for me so far. It, the whole time, it, it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the the other when we watch other th- things which are outdated, it's dragged. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. This didn't drag for me at all when no. I was watching it. it was... Well, it's feature length, ninety minutes, and yeah. it, and it and it's whizzes by, doesn't it? Exactly, really yeah. whizzes by compared to like um, Sapphire and Steel, which was the <laughs> like we said, the plotting was glacial on that, and it yeah. was and, <laughs> about the and same that, length. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's about the same length, but without the the twenty five minutes of of retreads of the previous episode. <laughs> so yeah, oh, interesting. The last five minutes or so actually had the same kind of impact that a modern day yeah horror movie would give to me now the same kind of like sort of chills yeah. and a feeling of, of discomfort discomfort and oh yeah it's a tremendous ending because i think it's quite brave at that point to kill off someone who hasn't done anything wrong 
she's not a baddie, is she? She's no. she's the main goodie, and she for 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 trying at every point to put everyone right, she just gets killed as a reward, which is really harsh and really quite a bleak ending. And also, something I found in what we've done so far, seventies mm. television don't give a shit about explaining half of what's going <laughs> on the script, and I really like that. Yeah, I, 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 re- like that. I like the fact that like you're there, there was yeah. lots of things which are just very much allured to, and you fill in the yeah. gaps yourself, and, yeah. and and afterwards you think you're left thinking, what the fuck happened there? Well, yeah, it's it's great for imagination, but it's also great to think maybe that the 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 writer thinks they're talking to an audience who isn't just made up of total idiots, because if they mention stuff that you might know about. It's like, oh, we don't have to explain everything that's happening here because the audience might be able to grasp the concept rather than writing these days, which is just like, you know, it's like play school sometimes yeah. watching some stuff. Yeah. I'm going to stop you before you slag off Doctor Who loads because I had to <laughs> so- cut out half an hour of the last episode where you slagged <laughs> off from modern Doctor Who. So anyway, Jodie Whittaker. Uh, anyway, no, no, no. Right. So <laughs> that was Nigel Neal with the Stone Tape. That was Nigel Neal's The Stone Tape. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. I really spat (laughs) then. I'm glad you're not in the same room because you both have got COVID. (laughs) I haven't got COVID, mother, if you're listening. So now we're going to talk about something horrific, something we, we would like to recommend to our listeners, which we may have, well, originally the idea was it was something we, we recent experienced. However, because we're recording these quicker than we're releasing them. Yeah. And uh, because Cleaver watches way more stuff than me and James do. <laughs> yeah. I realise that every waking moment of Ross's life, he's literally watching something. Got on something screen. on in the background. Yeah. Gaffer tape to his head. <laughs> I'm just experiencing the world of media and at the same time, <laughs> stressing out Going that. To the toilet. And stressing out that I'm not experiencing it quick enough because there's more, more and more stuff being added to my watch. And, and I yeah. recently finished reading a book called What Happens Now by Jeremy Dyson. So Jeremy Dyson is one of mm. the League of Gentlemen. He's also an, a, an author um, who's written a lot of uh, mine and James's favourite um, anthology series of books. Also, he is, was the co-writer of Ghost Stories, which was a, a huge success in the West End as a, uh, a ghost play and was adapted for a, a recent film. I wasn't aware that he'd actually written a, a novel because I know that he, yes. he did a, he's done three or four collections of short stories now. Um, yeah. some, more, some of them more linked together than others. Um, but the other day when I was picking up... Never Trust the Rabbit. Ne- Never Trust the Rabbit, which is a book. And we're going to be doing it for one of our mm. upcoming... We will be covering that for uh, an episode coming up. Upcoming episode. But I didn't realise that he did it, this novel called What Happens Now. And it was completely not what I expected. I was expecting mm. this to be a very horror-focused story. It, it wasn't. However, there are some really disturbing aspects of this and there are some parts where you you feel like it may be seeping into supernatural areas but it doesn't mm. quite go there it's a story of a, a young jewish lad who is picked out of his school to be in a bbc drama 
a series which is i think it's called now and then where they do different plays based one based in the past one based in the present and the, the two plays will be have some kind of uh, linking theme between it and he's been picked out to be in a play which is based in it's, it's very much sort of an Anne frank sort of story where there's a a family who are in hiding in the second world war uh, from the nazis in a basement underneath a restaurant and eventually they are captured by the nazis so he is he gets picked out from school to go and do this but it's also set in the present day where he is he is an adult and also a young girl who's in the play with him then is also an adult and you're following him as a child going to the rehearsals going to the bbc television center for the first time being completely overwhelmed by the whole aspect of being put into a television program so you've got that going on in the past but in the mm. in the present you know something terrible has happened mm. at some point to these characters um which has really messed up the boy and the girl's life and then you keep going backwards and forwards and you can see him falling in love with this young girl and like he's really like and it's so well observed about the whole lot mm. feeling of like having a crush on someone you know trying to work out how do i tell them do i tell them the whole fear of like exposing yourself that feeling it isn't so much exposing your feelings um, right. and um <laughs> okay but i don't want to spoil it but how when when the the present and the, and the past come together it's such mm. a horrible and harrowing event that happens Oh. It was almost like I wish I hadn't read that because it was such a hor- horrible <laughs> thing that happened, and it, it was just so heartbreaking because you so wanted it to turn out well. And does it turn out well? Not at all. It's awful. No. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but however, it's such a well-written, powerful book. Would you like to reach out to Jeremy here now, Ross? Well, I already talk? have on Twitter, and he has liked my outreach of like, nice. uh, this is really horrible. I wish I. <laughs> I wish I hadn't read your book. <laughs> There's not many books I read now that, apart from the rats, which afterwards I have, it affects, it affects me. It yeah. was really well written. Mm. There were a couple of weird things which I thought, oh, is it going to go down that route? Is it going to go down that route? But it didn't. Mm. But great. So mm. I really highly recommend What Happens Now by Jeremy Dyson. Great book. Mm. Well, my one is one that I must, I freely admit, I know this is normally recommendations, but this is something that I haven't read yet. But just the description alone, and bearing in mind that obviously because we're doing this podcast, I'm thinking a lot more about kind of horror and the supernatural of late. This was something that um, I saw a a really good review of and said it was brilliant. And when I read it, I thought, God, that's right up our street. That's that's fantastic. It's a novel called The Apparition Phase by Will McLean. And I shall read you the, uh, the blurb from the inside cover. And it says, reminiscent of the gothic suspense of Shirley Jackson and the ghost stories of M.R. James, touchstone for our podcast. The Apparition Phase is an atmospheric and stunning debut. Tim and Abby have always been different from their peers, precociously bright. They spend their evenings in their parents' attic discussing the macabre and unexplained, zealously rereading books on folklore, hauntings and the supernatural. In particular, they're obsessed with photographs of ghostly apparitions and the mix of terror and delight they provoke in in their otherwise safe and boring childhood. But when Tim and Abby decide to fake a photo of a ghost to frighten an unpopular school friend, They set in motion a deadly and terrifying chain of events that neither of them could have predicted and are forced to confront the possibility that what began as a callous prank might well have taken on a malevolent life of its own. An unsettling literary ghost story set in the early 1970s between a claustrophobic British suburban town and a menacing Suffolk manor 
The apparition phase is an unnerving novel which pushes us repeatedly over the line between rational explanation and inexplicable fear. Like all the best ghost stories, it questions what is real and what is simply a trick of the mind and whether there's really a difference between the two. Great, huh? Have you started it at all? No, I haven't started it yet. Okay. No, 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 no. I've got, I've, You're going to have to give us an update as to how it goes. Absolutely. But you know how you, you just think, yes, straight away. Well, I'm just going to remind you, though, when we had yeah. our Creeping Ramson podcast, Oh God, you were yeah, really, God. really saying how amazing oh. the 18 movie was going to be. With, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I was so excited. Joe Carnahan. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. No, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Was, so watch no, the space it, with James Iverson. That book was amazing. Or it was 18 movie shit. I, I, I got a bit overexcited before seeing the actual final products. Yes. I recently listened to Children of the Stones. Have you heard the whole thing? I've heard the whole thing. Ah. Uh, and it links in nicely to uh, what we've just reviewed. Obviously, because the word stone is in the title. The main man in uh, Michael Bryant's character in uh, Shouty Man in The Stone Tapes is very similar to Reese Shearsmith's portrayal of the main character in the new version of Children of the Stones. Yeah. But also Ian Cuthbertson was in the original TV version of oh. the Children of the Stones playing the character that Reese Shearsmith is playing. Whew, well done. Oh. Uh, it's really good. I'm about halfway um, through at the moment. Uh, it's really good. It's it's very high camp, and I found it very entertaining. I won't give anything away about the story, uh, but it is really good fun, and I enjoyed it very much. There's certain points where I completely lost track of what the fuck was going on. Kind of, yes. The point where the child turned into a stone, and she was like telling the story from the point yeah. of view of a stone the whole episode was, I, was, I didn't realise that was that was what was happening no. uh, when they hey. talk about the black hole and all that kind of stuff it was yes. like what the fuck's going on here I have seen the original TV version and oh. it's equally as baffling as I haven't seen the original I'd quite like to watch the original it's so got Blake in it uh, Blake 7 yeah so that he's the father I presume of yes. the girl so yeah the, the girl in the new version is the girl who is the girl in the new version of Wurzel Gummidge. Oh, uh, I thought mm. of it, yeah. And I would yes. lo- to say, I love the new version of Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah, I really like the I new version of Wurzel Gummidge. I cry pretty much well. all the way through. I just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so moving. It's so good. Mackenzie Crook uh, is a brilliant. And I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen The Detectress. How, no. However... Do you cry all the way through that as well? Yes, please? because it's just brilliant. You've got to watch it, John. <laughs> me and Beck, every t- the whole time, me and Beck There just, we go. And what's we- this going to be? There's an ugly fat man on there. Every time me and Beck watch it, we go, oh, look, it's John Pountney. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, we just pretty much say, in articulate in different ways the whole time watching that. Is, this is what England's like. This is what England's yeah. like. This is what England's like. This, yeah. if this is what if we were going to tell someone in another country what England's like this is what England's like and, it, and it's uh, <laughs> I think so many people think England is like London how London yeah. is what oh London's God, like no. whereas yeah. whereas the whole I find that Mackenzie Crook is yeah. puts across such a good articulation he is Mr. England he is Mr. And, uh, but he also he's someone who puts across a love of the the English or the British countryside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. So Very good well. Yeah. And he did it so well in Detectress. It's, it's yeah. such a loving 
feeling of the type of people who live mm. in this country and, and what this country is like. And I think that's Wurzel Gummidge managed that as well. Exactly, he pulled that across it, into Wurzel Gummidge. It's beautiful. Yeah, the cinematography for Wurzel Gummidge was amazing. Ross, is it what England's like? It's though? exactly what England's like. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, this it is, is England. It, it, it is what my, my version of England is like. Yeah, my, yeah, okay. This is my England. This is my England. Big, and then you, you zoom out and England is the shape of Cleaver's face, like Berger, Jim Bergerac. <laughs> Bergerac. Accordion, an accordion comes in, doesn't it? For the French feel. For the French feel. Join us next time on the General Witch Hiders podcast where we cover the satanic rites of Dracula. To finish our Dracula hammer double header that we never decided we were going to do, but we are going to do it now. So yes. join us next week for more Joanna Lumley uh, appreciation. Or the week after next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Happy, Goodbye everyone. Happy day. Happy day. Happy day. Oh, love, light and peace. You have been listening to The General Witch Finders. Support the show and continue the conversation at patreon.com forward slash general witch finders. Subscribe and spread the word at generalwitchfinders.com. Farewell. And don't have nightmares. If you let me in, Cleves, I'm there knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. That's it, it's the better version, isn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, it's just great. Is she a great big fat person? Yeah, she's a big fat person. <laughs> right in! <laughs> she puts the lotion in her skin! She puts the lotion in the, the basket. Put the lotion in the motherfucking basket! <laughs> <laughs> I'd fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that bombshell. Whoop. Yeah. My laptops is falling over. What the is going on, please? So my something horrific this week is, uh, even though it's it's not this week, it, we, uh, these podcasts don't come out every week, or do they? I don't know. Fortnightly. Um, fortnightly. So this might... Uh... Start again. John, you, you've disappeared. Have you run out of batteries? John? 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 I think John might have run out of batteries. He's just disappeared. John's just disappeared. I think think he might have run out of batteries. Okay. Hold on a second. Back gone again. Wait there, he's saying. Hmm. I don't know if he's going to be able to run downstairs. I don't know if he's going to be able to rejoin the recording. Oh. God. And we never heard from John Look again. Look how big my hair is getting now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I look like 
Is George Lucas. <laughs> I'm so desperate for piss again. I've drunk a whole bottle of wine. What's the matter with your bladder, I've mate? I've a whole bottle of wine. Yeah, I know, but even still. So, join James, us next that's... time. James hasn't done his yet. Yeah. He has. I but have. You, I but you're still, your battery's <laughs> run out. <laughs> so, join us next time. On... To see. Join jo- us! Sorry. Join us! <laughs> join us next time to see how fast Cleaver can slip down in his bed. <laughs> I'm going to wee myself in a minute. Join us next oh, time dear. on the General Witch Hiders <laughs> podcast where we cover yeah. the satanic rites of Dracula. Yeah. Yes. To finish, Thanks for listening, everyone. Right, to finish see you next time. Oh, hang on. I'm still talking. You're still talking. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I think we should make a video of this. Are you recording the video? No. Oh, oh I need um, a wee. <laughs> Keep talking, Sean. To finish our Dracula hammer double header that we never decided we were going to do, but we are going to do it now. So, yes. join us next week for more Joanna Lumley uh, appreciation. Or the week after next week. And the week after next week. Yeah. Whenever. Whenever. Please just, just keep, subscribe. Keep looking at your podcast. Tell your friends. Yeah. Support Patreon us on Patreon. Well. But yeah. also, please review us on something like Apple Podcasts and like that. We were at one point in the top 50 for film yes. history, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. <laughs> in the world. In the world, in the UK. Yeah. But yeah. we're now in the top 200. And <laughs> John, every day, tweets me. Or text me or WhatsApp me. Where are we on the on the on that chart? Where are and we are sl- we are slipping further and further down that chart. Well, since about week two, we haven't d- actually done a film, so that's probably why we're not in the film history podcast. Okay, well, but please, okay, help us. Okay, our, 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 help us help you. Help, yeah, our whole no, wait, our whole sense you of self help, wait, no, is no. based on. <laughs> What position We've we are We've got so much content for you yes. <laughs> to fill your empty lives. I need a wee. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Happy, Goodbye, everyone. Happy day. Happy day. Happy day. Oh, love, light, and peace. <laughs> Excellent. Well done.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.